0: turn with me to Revelation. Second easiest book in the Bible to find. First, I would say, is Genesis, because that's where the Bible starts. Second one would be Revelation, because if you go past it, you're at Maps. That's it. Nothing else to find. Is everyone doing good? Let me tell you, this is one of the most exciting weeks for me of all the year. Exciting week. And some of y'all may not know this. This day's coming. This week is one of the best days. Statistically, It's one of the best revenue days across America. It's one of the absolute best days where the money is spent, the shelves are clean, the inventory that is on the shelf this day is gone, and the shelf is clean. What day is it? You're all wrong. It's the day after Valentine's Day when the candy's half price. (laughs) That's when I look forward to you don't have a Valentine, you can spend a little extra money on yourself. You take that 20 bucks the day after, there's a lot more Reese's going into my fridge Saturday night. And I'm excited. Well, guys, that's so fun. It's this time of year, it's that time where it's that. But, but I want to get into this today. It's such a, a neat thought. It's something just so above me, meaning that I don't know how uh, I'm going to be able to preach this, but just, this is just how God's so good. So if you're in Revelation... It's going to be chapter 3. We're going to look at some verses in Revelation chapter 3. So I'll give you a second to turn there, but I want to talk to you today because we're going to be talking about intimacy. Intimacy, passionate love, intimacy. And some of you want this in places that you don't have it, and some of you've had it in places that you wish you could recreate it. Maybe you've got a friend, a family member, someone that you used to be close to and and you want a relationship and And you have one with them as friends and colleagues, but you want it to go deeper. You want it to go to the next level. You know, for me right now in my life, uh, uh, being in my 20s and single, you know, intimacy to me, you know, and dating means getting past the first date and going deeper. And for some people, it's it's different scenarios. Maybe, you know, you're wanting to go deeper with someone and and they're not, or maybe you used to. And it's like, you know, these scenarios. You know, my parents are going through that the past couple years. And I'll tell on them, it's okay. I moved out a couple of years ago and I'm the baby. So do the math, they're empty nesters. Matt's closed, but I consider them empty nesters. So all these years that mom's got to come home and had me to listen, hey, how's your day going? How's stuff going? While dad's zoned out on the TV, they're reconnecting in the fact of intimacy, of a conversation that for years they really haven't had to have because I've been home. And even at first when, I, when Colt was born, Colt was at home with us. So there was, Colt, how was your day? Drew, how was your day? Hey, Tommy. And it went like that. And, it, and now that we're not, it's digging deeper. It's an intimacy that's digging deeper, reconnecting. And some of you may have been or going to be soon in that empty nester. Some of you may be, you know, I was thinking back in high school. I know over here with the youth and stuff is how many times I had a crush on a girl either from here or another school, and I wanted to date, and I wanted to get serious. High school version of serious, but... She wouldn't. She wouldn't go deep. She wouldn't go that much deeper. Usually the girls that you know, tried that too were nice. They were respectful. They were distant. They were respectful enough to say, oh, hey, thank you, nice. Thanks for the compliment. But distant so that things didn't get too close. So many times we treat relationships like that. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe you've gotten to a point where you know, intimacy, love, just talk and conversation is great. Loving friendship that's just so biblical and great, but now with kids and with work and with things, you just say hi as you're both crossing paths, going to bed, shower, and trying to get that few hours of sleep before the kids are awake again. And and that's missing, and, and it's been there, and you're nice to each other, and you're polite, and you're respectful, your husband and wife or something, but you're distant. You're not really that close anymore. And we get to that because I see so many people do that that. All these scenarios, we want to dig deeper. We want something deeper. It's a natural tendency for our emotion, for our human side, that we want something deeper, that we want to dive into something deeper. And as we get into that, we see that sometimes people are respectful and they're polite, but they're distant. They're not intending for it to go as deep as you want it to get to. They'll tell you hi, and they'll be respectful and nice and go through you know, social protocol of hey and everything and how you doing, a Facebook message and right on your wall when it's your birthday, but not really much depth to that. Like I say, they're polite and they're kind, but they're distant. I'm going to tell you something if you don't already know. Your Heavenly Father and mine, who encourages us to call Him Heavenly Father and to treat Him and understand that He is the Father that loves us, He wants an intimate relationship with you that's deeper than a social protocol of hello or just attending church. But so many times, we treat Him the same way that we treat these other relationships. We're kind, we're polite, but we're distant. So many times, God wants deeper and we're just not willing to go there. We're willing to attend church for an hour, two hours come on Wednesday nights, come on events. But we're not really willing to go deep and dive into that. And there's so many examples in the Bible. The prodigal son who goes and leaves and runs off and takes his, his half and goes and leaves and ruins it and burns it and comes back. And the father, who instead of being some father, lashes out at him and makes him work and, and eat with the pigs and everything else that, that he'd been doing, throws a party. Just, I'm so excited that you're back in my life. And I'm so excited that you're close. God's also portrayed as a shepherd that with all these sheep in a herd that even if one goes astray, he will leave the 99 to go after the one because God wants to be intimate with you. But so many times we are kind, we are respectful, but we're distant. We're willing to stay on an edge that's good and good not so deep as to take us to another level we don't want to go to. Yet God wants that level. And as we get through these verses, you'll understand that He's even set up where that level's available. So we get to these points and we see this, that He's the shepherd and we do these things. Well, let's look at these. Okay, we're going to start in verse 15. Verse 15. I know your works. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were one or the other. So then, because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now that sounds really gross, but let's understand something here. He's writing to these people in Laodicea. He's writing to these, these church people, which is why I feel like this is so fitting for us to learn about today. This is not to some strangers in public that they're trying to, come to a Christian conversion. This is written to people in an area in a church established as they are attending. And He tells them that you are neither cold nor hot. And we look at this in verse 17. Verse 17, we see, because you say, I am rich, I have become wealthy, and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. First part of this verse, because you say, I am rich, I have become wealthy, and I have a need of nothing. Because your life's going so good, you and me, you and God, don't have to dive to that level. Maybe your bank account's doing all right where the mortgage isn't behind, and maybe the bills are paid, maybe at Christmas you actually got to buy the good gifts. And you feel like because those things are going so stinking good, that you and God are good, and you don't need to go anywhere else with Him. Because you've got all this provided and all this taken care of that y'all two are good. But then we get to this. You see this in this verse, the second part. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Oof. But what we see here is is things aren't as well as you think they are. Okay? You're neither hot nor cold, you're lukewarm, you're in the middle, you're in the chill zone, you're just chilling, you're not doing anything else. You're not on fire and serving me, but you're not out talking against me either. You're attending church, and that's it. You're in a, I'm good, I went to church today, and everything's fine. But what you don't see is, you think that you've got wealth, you think that you've got these things taken care of, but really, you don't. Really, those characteristics, wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked are just characteristics characteristics to see that you're not as good as you think you are. And you're not as good with God as you think you are. And he's pointing this out saying, hey, things aren't as good as you think they are. Let's work on it. Let's get to work on it. Go down to verse 20. And verse 20 says this. Behold love this, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him, and he with me. We get introduced to this idea. Some people may not even think of this as an idea. That's so neat. You understand that back in the Old Testament, as I'm going through this for school. That. God sent plagues and God just, just wiped out things and people and areas because He's God. He can do that. He has all this power that He could just spread disease, worse than this coronavirus, worse than anything else. If He wanted to, He could do it. And He could do it again. We get introduced to this philosophy that He knocks. Why would He knock? He's God the one that you're respectful to, the one that you're polite to, why would He just knock? The reason is this. Knocking introduces us that God wants but can't force us to love Him. He could send a plague that hurts you. He could send things that kill you. He could send things that make you fear Him. But He cannot force you to love Him. That's optional. So we're introduced to that right here in this verse. In verse 20, He knocks at the door of your heart and says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears My voice, hears His voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with Him and Him with Me. He desires a relationship not built on respectfulness or polite because those things are probably going to have God sitting in your mind. He's looking for intimacy because he wants to sit at the throne of your heart. Because that's the seat that was made for him. And only you can put him there. He can't put himself there. If he kicked in a door and forced himself in, would that be love? No, that'd be fear. He leaves it an option because he desires so much with you, a relationship built on intimacy. But indeed, there's times where nowadays intimacy is replaced with religion. And in this, we see that religion kind of becomes a formula. You know, if, if you do that, uh, the formula is this. Go to church. Pray over your meals. Pray if you get called out in class. Check in on Facebook. You know, pray for forgiveness when you've sinned really bad. And, you know, pray when you're sick and really, 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 really need something. That's kind of it. God's a tool. God's a a tool to use when things aren't going like you want or things aren't going like you need. You just kind of treat him like a religion. You're still respectful. You're still polite. But in this way of choosing religion over intimacy with God and just saying that I'm just going to say that I'm good with God because I went to church and I'm good with God because I prayed over that meal and I'm good with God because I gave a hundred bucks. Come on now. That's not what he's looking for. He's looking for something intimate. But we stay close enough to him now when we need him, but not so close that he's included in everything. So we get to this. If you want to turn with me, we're going to go to one other spot. in John chapter 16. John 16 verse 1. This is what I'm saying is the danger of being religious, of saying God's a formula and God's here for my needs and God's here for me to feel good and feel better and do good and feel just super excited when I give 100 bucks, 20 bucks, a dollar, instead of a relationship built on intimacy. We understand the love that God wants with you. So I'll give you one more second. If you're there, say I got it. All right. If you need me to hold up, say hold up. John 16 verse 1 says this, These things I have spoken to you, that you should not be made to stumble. They, the religious people, they will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. Jesus is saying, yeah, there's people that are going to be in the synagogue, in the church. They're going to kill you and go after you and stomp on you because they think when they're doing this, they are doing a service to God. And they're doing what God wants. And we see this so much that we get known that the, the big problem here I see is in verse 3. If you want to see it right here, is what I see is the biggest problem in this. Not verse 2 where it says those who ever kill you, but in verse 3. It says, "...and these things they will do to you because they have not known, known, known the Father, nor me. Not respected the Father, not understood the Father, known the Father. Which knowing someone comes to a point where you take hay and hay and make it into a relationship. And how are you? And how are you really doing?" here's how my day went to a deeper level. These people that he's talking about here in these verses are doing this because they have not known the Father or me. And I got to thinking, it didn't say because they have not tithed to the Father. They haven't attended church once a month for the Father or special services. They haven't volunteered once a year. It's because they have not known. They're polite, they're kind, but they're distant. And if you don't know the Father, then the Father is a stranger to you. And if the Father's a stranger and He wants this relationship and He wants this intimacy and He has this thing called His will and He has this thing called His plan and these things He wants for you, how can you know that if He's a stranger to you? You have to know Him more than just being polite and respectful because God wants intimacy. He wants a deep loving relationship with you. And we see this that when he's a stranger that we do things that we do things and we think oh this is in God's will this is what God wants I'm just going to do this because it's It looks good for this or it looks good for me, but it's not what the father wants. And you don't know what the father wants because he's a stranger. And when you do this and it goes terribly bad, you blame God. I've been there. I will admit I've been there. Where I've said, man, why did this not work? And why didn't this happen? And God, I thought this is where you had me. I thought this was going. And he said, hey, I would have told you that's not going to happen if you'd have just asked me. I would have told you not to do that or to go through with that if you would have just asked me treat him like strangers at times because we're worried about so many things and how can you blame something on someone you really don't know how can you blame oh this didn't work so it's god's fault but you ain't talked to god in weeks you've been in a room when someone else has prayed over a meal and you might have prayed over a meal but how can you really know what god's wanting if you haven't talked to him and people think today that god gets super excited when you just show up and you listen to some 27-year-old kid preach a sermon for a little bit and then you go home, check in on Facebook, and you're good. And then that makes you good for the whole week. Wrong. There's more to God than these pews. And there's more to the God that I serve than this building. And if you haven't explored that and you haven't tried that, then maybe on a Monday... Maybe on a Friday, you should pray and dress up and put some attention towards God like you do on Sunday mornings to get in this room and see where God enters your life there and see what He's willing to do there. See where He's willing to meet you. See, intimacy with God, or even if you're thinking just with a person, maybe I've said one of those examples at the beginning of the empty nesters or the family or something, and maybe you're not thinking about you and and God per se, but you're thinking of a specific relationship in your life. I think there's three very, very important things that we do and need to do to have intimacy intimacy with God or with someone that you want a deeper relationship. And the first one is you've got to give time. Real, authentic, just me and you time. And instead of personal time, People count this church service and listening to me for a little bit, listening to Daniel and the worship team and the announcements and checking in on Facebook as your time with God. This is corporate. I'm talking personally in your life. Personal time with God is needed to build a relationship that is on intimacy and not just being polite and respect. Next one. This one's difficult for some people. Transparency, just being clear. You got to be honest. You got to be honest. You got to be honest with God. You know, you can't go one day and someone makes you really mad and your blood pressure steaming and your face is red and you go to God and say, God, I'm a little frustrated. God's up there like, no, you're not. You're mad. I can see it. Why are you being mad and going with this problem and you're going to come to me and say, oh, I'm just kind of frustrated? You're missing out. But the thing is that some people struggle with with transparency is they don't want to offend God. They don't want to be clear. They don't want to say a prayer that that might hurt God's feelings. They don't want to come up and say, God, I've got lust in my heart. God, I did this today. God, I did that. They don't want to say that because you're afraid that it might offend Him. You'll be afraid that He'll go, Oh no, I can't believe you did that. If you've ever done that today, let me give you a little secret. He already knows he already knows you don't even have to tell him and he already knows but like any good loving father he just wants you to trust him and love him to come to him and be clear with him be transparent you know you can't have an r-rated problem in your life and pray a pg level prayer you've got an r level problem in your life and you understand with movies that's that's the worst stuff happens in r-rated movies You can't have those rated movies and be praying a PG-level prayer. just won't match. You have to meet Him with your problems with where they're at. And the biggest one, number three, the biggest one that people struggle with, and if it's intimacy with God or it's intimacy with a person, is submission. Submission. Mutual submission. Where my best is for you, and your best is for me, and we're going to see where this goes and how this works. People struggle so much with, if I dive in and and come forward to God that that He's going to take away my stuff, and I'm going to have to quit doing this, and I'm going to have to quit doing that, and that serving God and living for God means that I can't do this, and I can't be that, and you miss out on on some of the biggest things. We're scared that, that we do this, that God's going to be like, oh yeah, and I'm going to take away your finances, and I'm going to take away your big house, and you're going to go to an old car that starts half the time, and you're going to struggle for a little bit in my name. We're scared that that's really what's going to happen. We're scared that if we submit to God and say that we're going to live our life for Him, we're going to live for Him and walk with Him, He's going to take and take and take. Let me tell you something. He don't need your permission to take your stuff. It's His anyways. But the truth of the matter is, he wants submission. But some people forget this worst part. They think that just like when I did this three years ago, almost four years ago, when I came forward and I said, I'm giving my life to ministry, God, I'm going to quit fighting you. And for those that have done it, you understand the wrestling that's going on in your head and the fight that I had for weeks in my own mind of, no, 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 I'm not doing this, this ain't me. And I thought for a minute that when I came forth, that's me... Taking the first step. And for so many people, you may come up, and it may be this service, some other service, you may have already done it, where you came up for salvation. You came up for rededication. You came up to say, my life's going to change and I'm going to do better. And you may have misunderstood and thought that that was the first step. I'm going to tell you it's the second. Truth of the matter is, is the mutual submission that God is looking for the example that you can follow, He has already set in place for you. That Jesus Christ died on a cross and that was God saying, I love you and I want to be intimate with you. And so that you understand how much I want to be intimate, how much I want this loving relationship and how much I want more for you. I'm going to send my son long before you were born, conceived or thought of to die for you. And in that, God took the first step in submission. a intimate relationship with us saying that he wants more with us and he is going to take the first step we're scared that that stuff's going to happen that stuff's going to get taken away but he submitted first but I want to go back to Revelation real quick if you want to follow along with me I'll give you just a second as I say one other thing but I'm going to look at verse 20 Revelation 3.20 you know, I, I've thought about this as, as the, the prayers and the transparency and just being clear. and, and Honestly, I fought a colt last night. I know he's back there. He's going to be looking in a second. When we go to my mom's house, just like any good grandma, good grandma, yeah, our grandma, my mom, there's cookies. There's usually fresh chocolate chip cookies, which are fantastic. And we'll eat them and enjoy them and do stuff during the day. But then at the end of the day, Colt will kind of come up and he'll get in my lap and all loving on me and hugging and stuff and sitting there and not running and roughhousing stuff. And it's suspicious when he does it. But it's because mom always keeps her popsicles in the freezer. And even though he's had cookies all day, he really wants one of those popsicles. And he'll come up and loving and doing. I'm like, what are you doing? And you that are parents know exactly what I'm talking about. Trying to trick you into that. And so many people say that the church service that you're in is your submission and that you're serving God and that you're working for God because you attended church this morning. Don't you know, just like I know when Colt's doing that to me, that God knows when you're trying to pull a fast one on Him? You best believe He knows. And we get to this where we understand that He knows... He already knows. He wants our time. He wants us to be transparent. He wants submission. A submission that He started with the blood of Jesus Christ and a submission that we can follow by giving our lives to Him, serving and obeying Him and seeing what He has for our life. But I want to look in verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and beat the living daylights out of you for making me wait so long. Is that what your Bible says? No. But that's what you're scared of. That's what I was scared of for so many years. That's what I was scared of even fighting, getting into ministry. God, if I let you in this door, you're going to take and take and take. And you're going to, I've I fought with you for weeks. What's my punishment about to be? I've fought with you for months. What's my punishment about to be? God, I've said I've served you, but I'm still doing this behind closed doors what are you going to do about that? Oh, I don't, I don't want to give that. No, it doesn't say that. He says, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. We fear that if we let him in, he will empty the house and take over all the stuff And that when he takes over all the stuff, we're not going to have anything, we're not going to be anything, and our name's going to mean nothing. Not true at all. It's not true at all. So as our worship team comes back up here, I want to leave you with this. God wants in, but he doesn't want just to be in. God wants invited in. And some of you, I love this, Michael Jr. is a Christian comedian, he's hilarious. And he has a skit he did one time where he talked about the room, the great room. It's a room in the house, mostly, you know, you think about your grandmother in them's house. The house that no one goes in, the room that no one goes in. It's usually by the window. Everyone can see it. It's the cleanest room. It's got the nicest furniture. The fine china's kept in there. Everything's good. Your life is like a house, and a lot of times you put God and that salvation decision you made in the good room. By the window where everyone can see it. It's around the shiniest stuff. It looks the best. But you've only given him one room. God wants in the rest of the house. Some of you, that knock may be because the door of your heart behind that door is empty. Because God doesn't sit at the throne of your heart. Which means that you don't know a father that loves you and long before you were born, died for you. In a minute, we're going to worship. They're going to worship a song that I absolutely love. I'm excited about. But if you don't know what that means, let's talk today. Let's not leave here as just another church service. Let's leave here as a starting point to you letting God enter the door of your heart. But for the rest of you that's already got him in your heart, maybe there's a room he's knocking at. Hey, give it to me. I can clean that room out. I can make that room better. You're missing out on that. But there's so many times that you're like, oh, I can't. Oh, I don't want to. So as they get ready to worship, I'll leave you with this. God's knocking. The move that comes next is yours. What are you going to do about it?